Welcome to Chihuahua Bat 2.0, Surviving in the Classroom. I'm Swan, and I'm here today with my partner in crime, Mala. Hi, I'm Mala, and uh, I am now a painter also, Girl, just so you know. And get I got, out. I know it, and I've got some uh, uh, beautiful paintings in Wimberley, Texas, in the gallery called Art on 12. So y'all come and visit. Yes, and she's real techie now. We got her on Instagram and oh, Facebook. Oh, I tell you, I'm starting to really... We are old dogs, but we have some new tricks. Do we not? <laughs> to quote that movie, yeah. I'm on the line. We are on the line. I t yeah, we're casting, let me tell you. Um, uh, I retired. We both are retired teachers. We met as colleagues in 1993. Um, she went the, you know, the painting route. I went the uh, writing route. I chose to write about some of the challenges in the classroom that educators face. I have a book out, uh, Memoir of a Chihuahua Bat. Um, Mala and I became Chihuahua Bats during our, um, when we taught together, we actually became consultants, if you will. Yes, we were. <laughs> Who knew? And that was our name, and we sort of explained that in, in episode one. But, uh, Anyway, so I wrote a book about a little piece of my journey that was particularly challenging, and, and I thought all educators could relate to that. Um, basically, you have a choice. When you're standing in chaos, you can uh, complain about it, or you can kind of step up and find a solution. So that that's really the advice there. But you can find it on Amazon or my uh, chihuahua.com webpage. See, I'm techie too, not just Mala. We're both techie. You, I know. <laughs> I'm just not worthy. Yeah, oh, you are. So, episode five, uh, we had someone ask about our uh, portfolio implementation that we did, I guess, back 1996, 97, yeah, long time ago. And back then, uh, the buzzword in education was alternative assessments. Mm -hmm. um, so, that was flying around. And uh, really, as far as portfolios, I mean, they were always in the art world in the photography world and writing portfolios, you heard of, you know, they had uses, but as far as the foreign language classroom portfolio, we didn't have any models. No, we didn't. No. Except that one workshop that really opened our eyes when we went to, what was it, Austin? No, we were in San Marcos and it was Dr. Nathan Bond. Oh, yes. Back then it now. was, yeah, he was at what was called Southwestern in San Marcos, but now it's Texas, Texas. State, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, he actually did a workshop on a little portfolio system he had designed. He had been a German teacher. Mm -hmm. And so we went and we watched how he set up his system. And then we went back and thought, you know what? We, we like this. And I was just amazed at the artifacts that he and the work that he got from his students. He did. And, and his, of course, you know us. We can't do anything simple. He had... Like the student would choose an artifact to put in there or an assignment, if you will, and then he would choose something to go in there. Yes. So it was kind of like a student choice, teacher choice, or he would say, this assignment today has to go in the portfolio. So that was kind of a heads up to do mm -hmm. your best work. Um, and so we took that and we, we incorporated did. that. We um, you know, for us, portfolios were a picture. And we thought, you know, pictures paint a thousand words, but it was sort of a picture of the students' learning mm -hmm. for us, for parents, and for the student as well. They could That's go right. through and go, okay, what does your picture say? It was definitely a reflection of their learning. It was. And I, you know what, I just, I just love the idea that it answers the question, hey, Senora Pritz, 
why why did I get this grade? Why'd you give me that grade? Exactly. And it answered that question. It did. It did. And we really thought it was helpful when a parent had a question because right. you know, often the kids can't communicate or they, they you know, what'd you do? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And if a parent saw a grade, and even now on the portals, you can see grades, you know, 24 seven. Uh, and they said, Hey, why is my child failing? Or why does my child have zero? It was great. We go, you know what? Why don't you get them to bring their portfolio and get it out and flip through it? Right. And, uh, and then you'll see that paper should be in there. Mm-hmm. And we often said, you know, an empty portfolio is a picture. It's a huge picture. It is. Mm-hmm. And I liked being able to say, you know, if you'll get that portfolio and flip through it, you'll be able to see all kinds of assignments in there. And then we can meet again. You can call me or text me, and I can address one particular assignment that's mm-hmm. bothering you, or I can address the whole section on listening. But first, um, let your student explain right. it. But they should be able to say, you know, here's my portfolio. And even if they said, oh, I left it at school, you know, I'll, I'll remind them to bring it home. Mm-hmm. And and so we felt like, I mean, and that answered a lot of questions. Uh, it took a lot of, you know, sometimes parents call up and they're frustrated and angry. And often it, they're really not angry at you. They've had a bad day. And then they see this failing grade. Mm-hmm, and you, you catch the brunt of that. Been there, done that as a parent. So it really kind of help them calm down a bit and go, oh, you know what, maybe it's not the teacher. Because often they want to say, you know, accuse the teacher. Often the kids blame us, you know. Yes. And we were like, no, I didn't. Like, we have time to go home and make up grades for them. So Now, now please be aware of the date that we're talking about. So we're going to talk about the paper. Yeah, we started in paper format, and then I'll talk you through how the electronic version would look like. Really, it's no different. It's just... They do it on their computer where you'll have like a folder and then you'll tell the kids to put certain assignments in that folder. And, and really, uh, when I was before I retired, we were working on Chromebooks. I know my class kids had a portfolio folder, just like you would go into their, you know, their computer classes, the same thing. So they had artifacts in there that you could look at. So really no different. Just depends on the device that you have. Um, so, you know, playing off of Nathan Bond's model, Cheryl and I went back and really talked about um, we wanted it be more comprehensive, right? Yeah, absolutely. We wanted to go a little more in depth. And it was important to us being language teachers because you're always working with reading, writing, listening and speaking skills. And we wanted to make sure those were represented because we thought it was important that the students be able to see their strengths in the language, but also their weaknesses. Exactly. Yeah. So we sat down and our first task was what artifacts do we actually want in the and, portfolio? And we we looked at the ACFELT proficiency standards. And of course, there it goes, reading, writing, listening, mm-hmm. speaking. So that was the general idea of how we were going to pick the artifacts right Right. and also the level was it novice mid-novice you know was it intermediate low because even in spanish one you could have some kids especially heritage speakers who could easily be above novice in that level yeah so we we came up with we knew we wanted reading writing listening and speaking artifacts and when we started we were on the six weeks grading program So we felt like by the end of that six weeks, they had to have four samples of reading, writing, listening, and speaking. 
Okay. Okay. Uh, we wanted some homework assignments in there, so right. we needed at least six, and these are kind of minimums. They could do more. You will always have those, you know, gifted kids that want to go bigger and better. Um, all quizzes and tests had to be in there. Um, projects, if they could fit in there, but often, you know, back then, projects way back would be like on poster board right. or something. So you could put a paper in explaining. Uh, what the project was right. and put the grade in there. Um, and then we had a section called like notes and resources and anything we provided for them, we expected them to keep up with. And then we wanted to see some of their own resources, some notes and some things that they did as we were working on assignments. So we basically divided into those sections. We did reading, writing. So you could do those little old timey dividers is what we started with. We had reading, writing, listening, speaking, tests, then we had homework, and then we had notes and resources. Um, but in the very beginning, there was a table of contents explaining the sections. Um, and then I left space under like the reading, writing, listening, and speaking, and then of course their tests. And I had the kids kind of record <coughs> their grades mm -hmm. there so that when we went back to take a look at this picture of their learning, I could say, okay, what areas were you strongest in? And they would go, I think I did better on the reading. Right. Just based on a numerical grade. And I'd say, okay, what area do you think was your weakest? And they'd say, well, I think listening comprehension. And I'd say, okay. And that is often hard, you know, for a non-native listener. And I said, so what can we do? What's your plan to get better? Right. And they would talk me through and we would make notes down there. Mm -hmm. We would write. Um, now, do all kids stick with the plan? No, they're teenagers, but a plan was made. And, and for us, it was kind of teaching the process of look at your learning. Right. How do you learn and how can you improve exactly. your learning? Yeah. And what I liked about this sheet, it was like a that first sheet or top sheet, whatever cover sheet, I guess you'd call right. it, was like two things, a checkoff. It was. That did I do it? Yes. And number two, like you said, if they have the notation of the grade mm -hmm. and uh, their little notes or your little notes that, right. that you might add to it, it's a summary. It is. You had a summary of that six weeks right there. Right there. You sure did. You and uh, talk about a picture. It was a picture. And, you know, we didn't put everything that they no, did in there because, no. you know, when I'd start the year out, I would talk about portfolio and they had to have some kind of a container. And I kind of talked through the things I was wanting in there. And I said, if you want it to be a just a little manila folder, that's fine. But just know you're going to be picking it up and moving it around. That's some right. people chose to have like the zip up binders, you know, just Whatever's going to make it easier for you. And, you know, early on when elementary teachers were forced into portfolios, they always complained about how to keep up with all these containers and, boxes you know. Boxes and shoe boxes yes. and all that. And yeah. so for me, it wasn't about keeping, you know, uh -huh. that. It was called, if you want to keep it in my room, I'll provide some little crates here by class period. Or mm -hmm. you can keep it because a lot of kids carry backpacks. I said, that doesn't matter to me. No. No, I wasn't going to get bogged down in that. My main thing, or our main thing in the beginning, was that the child be able to access it, pull it out, and and talk about their learning. And the really nice, nice thing. Oh, here it comes. Yeah, yeah. that we found was when it was time for open house mm -hmm. or any parent conference, those portfolios were gold. Oh, they were gold. Right. And we would have, instead of doing the traditional, you know, I'm the teacher and here's what my class looked like, 
we would introduce ourselves briefly and we would say, now we want the kids to go and get your portfolio and you and your parent find a place to sit. And we want you to just flip through there and we want you to talk about your learning, show the parents how good you've done, show them even, you know, and it was okay. It, we didn't want a straight 100 portfolio no, no. because that was not a real picture of learning, especially if you're in level one. You're going to make mistakes. And so that was okay to be in there. So it showed process. Right. It showed learning, real learning and process. And it should have shown growth. That's what it should have right. shown. And also with a little notation that you talked about right. in the and summary or cover sheet. The plan to improve. And it gets rid of that license plate that, that my kid, right. is. you know, everybody gets an A. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And it's okay not to get right. an A. Right. And so we did count this. This was a major grade in in our grading uh, policy, but it wasn't that you got 100 because all your papers in your portfolio was 100. You got 100 because you collected artifacts and you analyzed your learning, you summarized it, and you made a plan for improvement. That's what you got the grade on. And and you could explain it. You could explain it. So it was okay. And, you know, if there was a zero in there, okay. What happened here? Yeah. What happened? So we kind of took the shame of way of, you know, I can't have a failing grade. Sure you can. Um, I know nowadays it seems impossible to get a failing grade. Right, but right. back then, we were okay with that as long as you took it as a jumping off point and you improved. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. because you have to know where you are if you want to improve and get better. And, you know, even today when they they get the zero. Yes. What do you do with the zero? You know? Yeah. You look at it and you change it. Right. And, you know, for me, you know, there's a lot of controversy about, you know, yes, do you so. give zeros or do you not give zeros? And, you know, and I, I think I take each case independently. Uh, I would too. Yeah. I mean, I, I've had students where I just, they weren't performing, they weren't engaging. I just finally sat down and said, hey, you know, I'm working on this review and would you kind of help me? Tell me if you think this is going to so work. So they have to explain their learning to you. Yes, they do. And then when I sit there and see that this child really can do some of the items on my review, then I'm like, well, you know, you're really smart, but you haven't been turning anything in. And I see all these zeros. And, and then they, they'll tell me their story. And obviously, it's a kid who's maybe functioning as a parent in the home and so busy with, you know, chores and running a household that this busy work in his mind, you know, if I'm doing a, a handout or anything, Back then on Chromebook, they would have assignments they could go online and do. And it, it doesn't matter what format. If you don't have time, That's right. you don't have time. And he clearly didn't. And I said, you know what? Um, if you, whatever you make on the test, I'm going to make that be your learning. And he was so grateful because he wouldn't, he didn't want people to no. know about his no. own situation. So those were the stories that told me that, you know, sometimes uh, a zero is not reflective of what a child knows. So if he so, can tell you about his learning, Susan, it makes a big difference for even your relationship with that student. Absolutely. And so we just make a plan on how to show that you know the material. If you can't go home and do all these A, B, C, D things that right. I'm requesting, what can you do? And how can you show me that you know the material? So, yeah, so I'm, I, I'm not a big advocate of zeros unless a child is just clearly not going to engage and do anything. And and sometimes I don't have a choice, but that's kind of a last resort for me. Um, So I do give zeros, but you know, I, I try to make it the absolute last, last choice that I have because it's hard to bounce back from that. I think. And describe that parent meeting because that's sort of fun. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. So the open house, um, we, 
uh, well, we requested the cafeteria and the superintendent just wasn't on board with it. And uh, so we, we started out in our classrooms. And so the coolest thing was that the kids and their parents, you just saw them sitting together and talking about their way. It was so cool. And we, it was truly student led. That was, remember, that was our big thing back then. And we just sort of were hostesses and we walked around and said, you can I get you something to drink or would you like a cookie? And, and then, and they would have questions and we were there for them. We would go over and say, okay, here's what I asked them to do on this assignment. Mm -hmm. And so explain it because not everybody gets school. We get it because we're in the middle of it all day. But, um, so it was just the nicest thing. And, uh, and we finally, we were so crowded because, you know, when you, you don't have. I was going to say the participation increased. Wow. wow. Yeah, the parents loved it. Of course, everything we did, our parents just loved it. Yes. And they wanted to participate. And our program just grew, grew, grew. So eventually, administration really had to support us. And so the next year, we did get the cafeteria. Yes, we did. And it was so cool. And everybody, everybody had a place to sit. It wasn't hot and crowded and we weren't borrowing chairs or sitting on the floor in the hall. And uh, it was just the nicest thing. And we just kind of stood there and said, wow, look what we did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it was that aha moment for it, me. It really was. It, was, it really was. I was so proud of my students. Right. Just, well, now, you know, I took this test. Now, I know I didn't do very well, mom and dad, but look, look at my corrections and the notes I took for it. And and I, I give credit for corrections. We do too, or yeah. they can retest. I mean, yeah. everybody yeah, bombs. Re- that's right. Life happens to even students, and so uh, yeah. And it was all about here's what I did, but here's how I've improved. Mm-hmm. And I, to me, that's learning. That's just real that's learning. It. Yeah. So we were big advocate of portfolios. Um, at one point, I did have to leave uh, the small district where I was with Mala. And when I went to a larger school, we were on a nine-week grading program. And I still did portfolios. I just increased the amount of uh, artifacts that I needed. And they still you know, kept them in my room. And it was still one of my major grades. And, and I did it for like almost four years. And then uh, when they came into alignment, I had... Um, Several teachers in level one, they just couldn't wrap their head around portfolios. And so I, I, I quit in an effort, you know, mm-hmm. to be have a cohesive group. But um, and I was sad about that. But uh, when I got to my other district, I, I implemented it again. And it wasn't an electronic format. And I really liked it better. I did because I could just click on their folders and I could listen or I could see their PDFs or you know, even their projects, they were all right there, and it was really cool. And I imagine the listening and speaking was a lot easier. Much easier. Oh, we yes. used to collect tapes. Yes, we, the cassette Jeez. tape, electrical cord chaos. Yes, we yeah. did. So, um, if, you know, if you're still in the classroom and you want uh, an awesome way for kids to be able to talk about their learning and, and, and show it to others, I mean, because it spoke to all the stakeholders you know, it was, and I have to say, when I was in some, you know, arts for some of our special populations, oh, that's what I was say. those portfolios were awesome. Yes, and they were. yeah, in the next episode, we'll talk about sort of the assignment template that we did as well that spoke to everyone because, you know, not everyone gets the assignment that you're trying to talk exactly. about. We get it because obviously we made it up. But I can remember in some of those meetings with our special pops, 
those special ed directors were like, oh my gosh, this is just so wonderful. Because it's it shows right. every process. Do this, step one, it two, did. three, four. Right. Rubric. And so often a teacher is in there, but they don't always have samples of the right. work. So they loved the portfolio and, and we loved it. So we can't say enough good things about a portfolio system. And, and here's the good thing. It can be whatever. There's mm-hmm. not just one design. So you make it fit your needs. Uh, you make it fit your student population. And obviously, you know, your district grading policies and procedures. But if that's one thing I could recommend to people still in the classroom, it would be to do some kind of a portfolio session. Um, Mala and I are trying not to laugh out loud here because, you know, we are podcasting from the cabin and uh, we have Molly and Frankie here and, and Molly's the liquor. And so <laughs> I don't think there's a dry piece on me and I've done really well not to laugh while she's been licking this whole time. But anyway, Molly Joe. All right. So that's it for us on, on portfolios. We really enjoy talking with you guys. Uh, we do ask, we love questions, comments, concerns. We will do our best to address them. And uh, we always end with Dare to, to be, be a, a Chihuahua, Chihuahua Bat and, and have a Chihuahua, Chihuahua Bat Day. day.